And so I thought this morning, in light of our tailgate party with all the school spirit in the house today, uh, that we kind of maybe just dive into a message uh, entitled, Get in the Game. And we're going to kind of talk about what does that really mean today to get in the game. But I thought before we did that, uh, we kind of get a little assessment of the crowd this morning. So uh, how many Alabama fans in the house today? Let me hear you. Come on. All right. There we go. A little weak, but there it is. There it is. Come on, give another shout out for your team if you're an Alabama fan this morning. All right, you know what's coming next, okay? How many Auburn fans we got in the house today? Come on, if you're an Auburn fan. Come on, there we go. Come on, I think we got you a little Auburn music. Come on. Good job. Y'all can cheer a little louder if you want to. <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. Well, uh, Let's shift gears for a second. How many Jesus fans we got in the house today? Come on, let's hear you. Come on. How many are glad God's not dead today? Come on, you can stand to your feet. You ought to cheer louder for Jesus than you ever cheered for any team. Come on. God's not dead. Well, you can take your seats this morning. How many glad God's not dead today? How many glad he is roaring like a lion this morning? And this is an amazing time. I believe this is one of the greatest hours that the church has ever had. I love the fact that in the midst of the darkness, the light shines the brightest. Amen. And what's awesome is in the midst of deep darkness, you don't have to have a bright light. You just got to have a small light. And that small light will pierce the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, the Bible says, can never extinguish it. I love that scripture. The darkness can never extinguish it. And so today, we're just going to talk about what does it mean to be a part of that light, to get in the game and be a part of what God is doing in the earth, because this is an amazing hour. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Uh, is where we're going to start this morning. Let me just encourage you, if you're not using our Liberty Church app, it's libertychurch-us, libertychurch-us in your app store. If you're not using the Liberty Church app, it has a lot of amazing resources in it, opportunities for prayer, uh, but it also has our Sunday morning outline. So if you want the Sunday morning outline, it's available in the app with all the answers already filled in the blanks. It also has a place for you to take notes, and you can email that to yourself. You can save that on your phone. Just just a lot of great resources there. So if you're not tapping in uh, to our Liberty Church app, let me encourage you, go ahead and grab hold of that and uh, begin to utilize it. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, the Bible says this. It says, as Jesus passed on from there that he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him, meaning Jesus. So look at that first point on your outline this morning. Christianity is not about being a fan, it's about being a follower. It's not about being a fan. How many of you know Jesus didn't die on a cross and rise again on the third day so you could get the t-shirt and the bumper sticker? It's not about being a fan. And I'm, I'm glad that we're some, we got some Jesus fans, I'm glad we got Alabama fans, Auburn fans, we got any Atlanta Brave fans in the house today? Come on, maybe we'll win a World Series tonight. And I said, well, yeah, I've never played baseball day in my life. But, you know, that's what you do when you're a fan. All of a sudden, you start claiming victories that don't belong to you. See, when you're a fan, you claim victories that don't belong to you. 
Boy, Auburn won yesterday. Alabama beat Tennessee last week. Yeah, Alabama did and Auburn did, but I didn't. Because I'm a fan. <laughs> and you know what? Jesus didn't call you to be a fan. And let me tell you why. Because he wants you to get in the game. He wants your life to make a difference. He wants your life to matter. <laughs> and it's easy to be a fan. And it's fun to be a fan. Because if you're a fan, guess what? If you're a fan, you show up when you want to show up. You cheer when you want to cheer. And you do what you want to do. But if you're on the team, how many know it's a little bit different? How many know that it's just a little bit different when you're on the team? All of a sudden, things change when you get in the game and you become a part of the team. And I just want you to hear today how significant it is for you to get in the game. How God did not send his son to die on a cross for me and you so we could be fans and honor God from a distance. He actually died on a cross, rose again on the third day, and he literally, hear me today, he's got a jersey with your name on it. And there's a place on the team for you. God's got a place on the team for you. And when you get in the game, amazing things really do begin to happen. Amen? So Christianity is not about being a fan. It's about coming out of the stands. It's about getting in the game. And as I was thinking about, I watched our Auburn fans. Where are you guys at? Let me hear from you real quick again. That's awesome. One of you over here. Y'all be a little louder than that. Come on, all my little Auburn fans. There you go. So I was watching Auburn beat Ole Miss yesterday. Come on, War Eagle, right? That was good. I was cheering for him. I love to see him win, except for one game a year. Uh, and uh, so anyway, so I was watching them. And, and you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about them. I watched a little bit of the Braves the other night. I'm not a big baseball fan, but I'm playing softball now. And so I've got a new appreciation for what those guys do out there. It is absolutely not as easy as it looks. I'm like, that's crazy hard. But I was watching a couple games this week, and I was thinking about, you know what, every person on that team is really fighting for something. They're fighting for a victory. They're fighting for that win. In college football, we all know, right, everybody's fighting for the national championship. The Braves are fighting for the World Series. And I just asked the question, Lord, what are we fighting for? And the Holy Spirit really quickened three things in my heart. He said, three things, Keith. He said, I want you to remind the church of tomorrow. Three things I want you to remind the church of this day that we're really fighting for. There's a lot of things, but three things I feel like specifically. Number one, God said, he said, when you get in the game and you really begin to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you really start fighting for your family. How many of y'all know we need to fight for our families? There is something powerful about you living a life that says, hey, what I look like on Sunday in church is how I actually live my life on Monday through Saturday at home. There's something powerful about that consistency. There's something powerful about the fact that your life is not a picture of hypocrisy, but it is a picture of holiness that says, you know what, I've been set apart for the glory of God, and this is what it looks like, kids, to follow Jesus. You all have heard the old saying that your example speaks so loud that your kids can't hear what you say. <laughs> Words are cheap. But let me tell you what your family can't deny. They can't deny the testimony of your life. 
They can't deny the fact that you're walking in the light as he is in the light and that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and that his lordship affects every area of your life, not just in church on Sunday, but the way you treat your neighbor, the way you treat your enemy, the way you treat your spouse, the way you raise your children, the books that you read, the movies that you watch, and the movies that you, the movies that you watch, and the, and the music that you listen to, that your faith in Christ impacts and affects everything that you do because you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And all of a sudden, we're fighting for our families. I had a lady in our church several years ago. She made this statement to me. She said, Pastor Keith, she said, I realized something. I realized that we raised our kids in church, but we didn't raise our kids in Christ. And as important as church is, and we're going to talk about today how important church is, but as important as church is, the realization is church is a reflection of who we are in Him, right? We are a part of the church. We are the church. The church is not a building. It is the body of Christ, and we're fighting for our families. I love what Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let, let me just encourage the Holy Spirit, quicken this in my heart last service. He said, Keith, there are going to be people here today that have, that have relinquished their children to the world. Let me just tell you something. The, the only thing harder than raising kids is nothing. And if you've never had adult kids, well, I'm, I'll, let me, I'm going to stop. I don't want to discourage you, so praise the Lord. <laughs> but this is what I know. This is what I see, unfortunately, that happens in Christian homes. Is parents get hurt. Now, kids, you know that your parents hurt you, but you don't realize that you hurt them. Parents get hurt by the choices and decisions that their kids make because that wasn't the way I raised you. And it's easy sometimes to allow that pain to cause us to just disconnect because if I really think about it, it hurts. And if I really focus on it, it hurts. And if I really ponder on it, it hurts. And so if we're not careful, we will relinquish our children. To spare ourselves some pain. And I felt like the Lord very clearly this morning said to give us a challenge this morning to refuse to relinquish our children to the world. I know it hurts. I know it's hard. I know there are challenges that you face as parents and grandparents. But don't allow the pain of disappointment to keep you from fighting for your children because it's worth fighting for amen and every day that you follow Jesus you fight for your kids every day that you follow Jesus you fight for your family and it's a good fight and it's worth fighting the second thing the Lord said he said Keith not only fighting for our families but we're fighting for our freedom you know, as American Christians, we are blessed. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. We are blessed. We are blessed to live in America. We are blessed to have the liberties and the freedoms that we have. But we understand right now that not only are we fighting for our families, we're fighting for our freedoms. 
We're fighting for our religious liberties. We're fighting for the opportunity to choose for ourselves how we're going to live our lives, whether we're going to honor God or whether we're going to bow to man. And here's the realization today. We are fighting for our freedom. And every day that you follow Jesus and everything that you, you refuse to bow to the government of man and you choose to bow to the government of God, King Jesus, come on somebody. I believe that we submit to authority until authority violates the commandments of Christ. And then under King Jesus, we live our lives. We're fighting for freedom. We're fighting for the values that we believe in, not as Americans, but as Christians that make this nation great. And I want to encourage you, let's fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Let's not roll over. Let's not play dead. Don't act like you don't have a choice. You always have a choice. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a choice. It was called a fiery furnace, but they chose. How many know sometimes when you fight for something that really matters, there's challenges and there's pain and there's disappointment and everything don't always work out the way you want it to work out. But when you know what you're fighting for, I'd rather fight and die for what is right than to bow and bend to what is wrong. So we're fighting for freedom. And last but not least, and probably hands down the most important, he said, Keith, you're fighting for the glory of God. We're fighting for his glory. I want you to look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. What a great scripture. The apostle Paul says this. He says, and all of this is for your benefit. He's talking about all the amazing things Christ has done for us. And all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people. I want to read that again. God's grace reaches more and more people. Y'all say that with me. More and more people. As God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. Let's say that together. More and more glory. Did you hear what the Scripture said? As God's grace reaches more and more people, God gets more and more glory. The more people we reach, the more glory God gets. The more souls that are saved, the more glory God gets. The more disciples that are made, the more glory God gets. The more people are saved, set free, and made whole, the more glory God gets. What are we fighting for? We're fighting for the glory of God. We're fighting for the fact that not only are we fighting for our families, not only are we fighting for our freedom, but there is a world literally that is dying and going to hell. And Jesus died for each and every one of those people. He has no death. He has no pleasure, the Bible says, even in the death of the wicked. Why? Because Jesus died that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And as we reach more and more people, God gets more and more glory. You want to glorify God? Reach people. You want to glorify God? Reach people. You want to glorify God? Reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I love about the local church is the local church is awesome because we live in a world today in America. I mean, you know, there are, some, there are some amazing organizations out there. There are some awesome charities out there. There are some amazing things that are going on in our world. And there are a lot of people doing a lot of good, but only the church is doing God. <laughs> only the church is preaching Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Only the church is declaring there's only one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus. And all the good that all those organizations are doing, I'm thankful for, and I want to partner with them, and I want to help them, and I want to encourage them, and I want to support them. But at the end of the day, Jesus said, what does it profit a man 
If you feed all the hungry people and you clothe all the naked people and you set all the addicted people free and they still die and lose their own soul. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? All the good without God is temporal relief that leads to eternal destruction. And only the church, come on somebody, only the church is preaching Jesus. Only the church is declaring the message and the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So we're fighting for our families. We're fighting for freedom. We're fighting for the glory of God and the souls of men. A couple years ago, I made this statement, and the Lord just reminded me of it as we were going in to kind of leading up to this Sunday. He said, he said, uh, he said Keith, he said, fans are important. How many glad, all you, all you football fans, how many glad to see fans back in the stands watching the games, right? It's a lot of fun to see the fans in the stands. Fans create excitement. They create an environment. They create this enthusiasm in, in the stadium as you're watching the game. It's awesome to see the fans cheering, and they're all colored up from head to toe, and they look like crazy fools, and they're doing all the things that they're doing, right? And it's amazing, and fans are important. But the Lord said fans are also irrelevant. A fan's never scored a touchdown. A fan's never made a block. A fan's never sacked the quarterback. A fan's never made a pick six. A fan's never kicked a field goal. A fan has never changed the score on the scoreboard. And if they did, it wouldn't count because they're not on the team. Even if they did, it wouldn't count because they're not on the team. A couple weeks ago, Tennessee was playing uh, uh, Ole Miss, and I don't know if you guys saw it. They, uh, they, they, they had a call they didn't agree with, so they trashed the field. They started throwing trash. The fans threw trash down the field. Delayed the game for 20 minutes. Tennessee was fined $250,000. And guess what? The fans interrupted the game. The fans delayed the game. But the fans did not change the scoreboard at the end of the game. And you can be a Jesus fan and you can interrupt the game. We call that being religious. And you can complain about the game and you can criticize the game and you can judge the people that are in the game and you can armchair coach the game. But you'll never change the game until you get in the game. You'll never change the game until you come out of the stands and you join the team and you get in the game. So let's talk about that today. Let's talk about what does that really look like. So how do we get out of the stands and get in the game? I think there's two things initially we have to do. And then there's two things we have to do to close the deal on what God is calling us to. Look at the first two things we have to do to get out of the stands. John chapter 8 verse 12, the Bible says this. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And in 1 John 4, 8, the Bible says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. So look at that next point. What do we have to do? What do we have to do? The first thing is we have to come out of the darkness. If you're watching online, I want you to just type that in the chat box. Come out of the darkness. What does it mean to come out of the darkness? Jesus simply said like this. He said, I'm the light of the world. And whoever 
fans after me. No, that's not what he said. Whoever follows me. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. See, the first thing that has to happen if you're going to get out of the stands and get in the game is you've got to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It all starts with salvation. Jesus said, you must be born again. You've got to come out of the stands. You've got to get in the game. You've got to resist. Hear me today. You've got to resist the darkness of your sin and your rebellion. And you've got to accept the lordship of Jesus Christ. See, the moment you get in the game, how many of you know everybody plays for Alabama and everybody plays for Auburn understands they got a coach? Especially if Nick Saban's your coach. And how many of you understand that every person on the team realizes they don't get to call the shots? There's a boss in town. And it's the coach. And I don't get to pick my spot on the team, and I don't get to pick the plays that we run, and I don't get to pick the practices that we do, and I don't get to pick how long we practice, and I don't get to pick any of that stuff. All I get to do is show up and say, here I am, coach, use me. Put me in, coach. Put me in. I want to play. Put me in, coach. See, if you're in the stands, you got a choice. If you're in the stands, you decide, do I want to show up or not show up? Do I want to cheer or not cheer? But if you're on the team, you got somebody else calling the shots. And that's what salvation is. Salvation is accepting the gift of eternal life that comes through the lordship of Jesus Christ. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says, we will be saved. What do I got to confess? That he is Lord. Well, Pastor Keith, I believe in Jesus. Isn't that enough? Well, you just ranked up there with the devil. Because the Bible says the demons believe and tremble. The demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They have no doubt about it. As a matter of fact, there is no doubt in hell that Jesus is the Son of God. The demons and the devil himself do not doubt the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. But what they haven't done is accepted his lordship over their life. They haven't said, I accept that you are Lord. And I surrender my life to your lordship and I receive the gift of eternal life because Jesus is now Lord of my life see the challenge today is that we have a lot of people who are in the fans in the stands who think they're in the game but the truth is Jesus is not Lord of their life and how do you know that well who's calling the shots it's pretty easy to look sometimes at our lives and realize who's really calling the shots am I showing up saying coach what do you want me to do today or am I showing up and say hey coach let me tell you how we're gonna run this play today Man, it's a big difference, guys. So we got to come out of the darkness of our sin and our rebellion, and we got to come into the light of Christ and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I want you to be Lord of my life, and I want to receive that gift that comes from your Lordship. Second thing is we've got to deal with the fear. We've got to deal with the fear that keeps us in the stands. Here's what I've recognized in my life, and this is what I've recognized as I've been pastor now 29 years. Kelly and I, I've recognized that fear... <laughs> Is probably one of our biggest enemies. And fear keeps us in the stands. See, once you accept Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, he puts you in the game. He gives you a jersey. He's got your name on the back of it. And you've got a place and you've got a part and you've got a position to play. And you matter and he loves you and he cares for you. And he wants to see you succeed in doing what he's called you to do. 
But here's the realization. I have seen fear disqualify us. What happens through fear is that people that are on the team disqualify themselves, take off their journey, and step into the stands and say, I'm just going to cheer for Jesus because it's kind of safer back here. The fear of failure. What if I try if it doesn't work? What if I kind of step out there? You know, I feel like God's called me to do something. I really want to get involved. I want to be a part. And I just don't know if I can do what I need to do if I've got what it takes. That fear of failure. The Lord said, Keith, there's a fear of exposure. I said, Lord, what do you mean by that? He said, fear of exposure is simply this. There are so many people right now in the stands, not in the game. They've been born again. They're on the team, but they have disqualified themselves. They've walked off the field into the stands. They've took off the jersey and they put a foam finger on. He said, and they're afraid that if people really knew them for who they were, they wouldn't love and accept them like they are. And I want to tell you today, the devil's a liar. See, it's fear of being exposed, fear of not being good enough, fear of not fitting in, fear of not being accepted that causes us to stay in the shadows of the stands instead of stepping into the field and getting in the game. Let me tell you what I love about Liberty Church. We don't care about your past. We care about your future. And we're going to love you right where you are, all the way to right where God's called you to be. And we're not going to stop loving you until we get there. I love Liberty Church because of that. I love the fact that it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, what you look like, smell like, or act like. There's a place in the family right here for you. Rich or poor, black or white, red or yellow, it doesn't matter. We want you here. Because you matter to God, and because you matter to God, you matter to us. So I want to ask you a question today. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What is it that has you holding back? What is it that has you kind of pulling back? You know there's more. You know there's another step you need to take. There's no, you know there's a level of engagement that you have not yet stepped into. What is holding you back? Because unless you deal with that fear, perfect love casts out fear. You'll stay in the stands even though you've got a jersey and you've got a place on the team. Don't live in the stands when you've been created for the game. Amen? Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. What a great verse. One of the greatest verses in the Bible on fear. The Bible says, God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you're battling with fear, if fear is holding you back, you understand that fear is not from God. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. One of my favorite quotes, and you guys have heard it, it's one of the oldest quotes about courage and overcoming fear, and that is simply this. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the willingness to do it afraid. The willingness to do it afraid. That's what courage is. It's not the absence of fear. It's the willingness to do what God's calling you to do, even though you're scared to death. I was in Louisiana last week, got to preach at our Band of Brothers, NRP Band of Brothers Conference, 250 men, and, and uh, I was talking to one, one, uh, a younger guy there at the conference between sessions, and he asked me a question. He said, uh, he said Pastor Keith, he said, uh, when you first started preaching, were you ever afraid? I said, what do you mean when I first started preaching? <laughs> I said, every time I do something I've never done, every time I speak to somebody I've never spoke before, every time I go somewhere I've never gone, every time I attempt something I've never attempted, I have to face the fear that rises up inside of me. 
I have to face that fear. I have to press through the insecurities that say, what if it doesn't work here? What if they won't accept you? What if what you have to say doesn't come across the way that it needs to come across? But I made a decision years ago that I'm just going to have to fight through the fear. And I'm going to have to be willing to do what God's called me to do, even if I'm afraid. One of my favorite quotes is from Will Smith. Y'all know he's a pretty deep theologian. I'm sure not. Movie, uh, the movie After Earth. Don't know if I recommend the movie or not. I, I, I was telling first service, I watch movies and I kind of blot out the bad parts, you know, and then I think, man, that was a good movie. And then I watch it again, I'm like, that was horrible. <laughs> so I'm not recommending the movie, but he makes a quote in that movie that I love. His son, he's injured. His son's got to go save the day and he's got to fight this horrible creature. And this is what he says. Let me read it to you so I don't misquote it. He says, he says, fear is not real. Fear is not real. It is the product of the thoughts that you think. Danger is real, but fear is a choice. Fear is a choice. You choose fear or you choose faith. You choose to draw back. Or you choose to step forward. That's your choice. And fear is not real. It's the thoughts you think. It's a choice that you make. And it's a decision that you have to either draw back or step up and step into what God has for you today. Amen? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. The Apostle Paul kind of gives us some encouragement. He, he helps us that once we come out of the darkness, once we deal with the fear that's keeping us in the stands, he, he shows us and talks to us about what our next step is. How do we really engage? How do we really get in the game? Once I've come out of the stands, how do I get in the game and begin to make a difference on the scoreboard, which is more people, more glory, more people, more glory, more people, more glory. For God, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, he says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And he makes the whole body, that's me and you, fit together perfectly. King James says he joins us together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Look at that next point. So what do we do once we come out of the stands we got to be joined together. We have to join ourselves together. Why? Because we are a team. We are the body of Christ. And disconnected members die. If you break a branch off of an oak tree, what happens to the branch? It dies. What happens to the tree? It continues to grow. If you break a vine off of a fruitful producing vine, what happens to the branch that's broken off? It dies, but the vine continues to produce fruit. If you take a coal out of a flaming fire and set it to the side by itself, the fire will continue to burn, but the coal isolated and separated will grow cold. And you know what happens when you disconnect? You wither and die. Because we are the body of Christ. I've heard a lot of people over the years say, well, Pastor Keith, you know, I, I love Jesus. I just don't like people. <laughs> I don't like the church. 
Well, we're the body. And you can't be connected to the head unless you're willing to become a part of the body. It's a kind of combo deal. <laughs> you buy the burger, you get the fries, <laughs> whether you want them or not. And here's the good news about being a part of the body is that you fit here. You have a place in God's body. You have a place in the local church. It's been said years ago that the local church is the hope of the world. Why? Because the church is the vehicle through which God advances His kingdom, through which the message of His Son goes forth, through which disciples are made and souls are saved and the works of the enemy are destroyed. It is the vehicle through which God works. And you have a place in the body. So how do you know if you're connected to the body of Christ? This is how you know. You know you're in the game when you're connected spiritually, relationally, physically, and financially to the local church. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says this, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. How do I know I'm in the game? I know I'm in the game because I'm connected spiritually. I'm connected relationally. How many of you know we need spiritual relationships? And how many of you know that when you're on the, I, I told you I'm playing softball Tuesday night, by the way, let me give a little shameless plug, our blue team's playing our gray team in the first night of the tournament. And at the end of the day, Liberty's going to win. Come on, somebody. 6 p.m., y'all to come watch it. You want to see some exciting, awesome stuff? It may not happen there, but come anyway. We'd love for you to come out and have some fun with us. 6 p.m. Tuesday night. So when you're part of the team, guess what? When you're on a softball team, guess what? When we get together on a softball team, you know what we talk about? We talk about softball. You're part of a fantasy football league. You know what you talk about on a fantasy football league? You talk about football. You go to work and you're on a work team. You know what you talk about at work? You talk about work. How many know you need, you need to be on a spiritual team? You need to have an environment and a place and a group of people that you actually talk about the things of God, where you talk about prayer and you talk about the Word and you talk about worship and you talk about the kingdom of God and you talk about what God is saying and what God is doing in the earth. So you need those kind of relationships. Because if not, you'll live the rest of your life talking about softball and football and work and you'll die and there'll be no points on the scoreboard because of your life. I don't want a big fat goose egg by my name. I want to know that I'm adding points on the board, amen? That my life's making a difference. That I'm not just living for the sake of living, but I'm living for the glory of God. And that my life is touching other people in a way that hopefully they can come and know, to know Christ. So you need to be spiritually re related to other people. If we walk in lies, He is in light, we have fellowship with one another. So let's flip that coin. If I don't have fellowship with other people, I may not be walking in the light. Because if I walk in the light, I have fellowship. So if I'm not walking in the light, I probably don't have fellowship. So for me to say I have a relationship with God, but I don't have fellowship with other believers is almost a contradiction of terms. Because the moment I come to Christ, who is the head, I get connected to the body. Now let me just tell you something. You're going to have to be on purpose about it. You're going to have to be intentional about it. You're going to have to overcome your fears. You're going to have to overcome your insecurities. You're going to have to push yourself to get involved and get engaged and begin to know people. The Holy Spirit gave me something last week, and I'm, I'm, I want y'all to hear me, but I don't want you to mishear me, okay? So y'all listen with both ears. I want you to hear me, but don't mishear me. So this is what the Holy Spirit said. He said, Keith, do you realize that when somebody in the church gets in trouble, 
if the first person they call is you, the pastor, or Kelly, if the first person they call is the pastor, then they're probably not relationally connected to the body. Now, don't mishear me. I didn't say don't call us. Kelly and I love your calls. We love praying for you. We love encouraging you. We love being there for you. That's why we're here. But this is what the Lord said. He said if the first call they make when they're in trouble is to the pastor, it's probably because they're not relationally connected to the body. And then he gave me a football analogy, right? Because we're talking about football today, right? So he said, imagine, imagine that guy on the line, right? That big old lineman. Imagine that guy on the line. If he has a problem, if he has a challenge, if he has a difficulty in his life, guess what? Before the coach ever hears about it, his teammates do. The guy to his right and the guy to his left knows there's something going on, and he's telling them, right? Even if he's not happy, if he's got a complaint, guess who hears it before the coach hears it? His players do. His teammates do. They know Billy's not happy. They know Sally's upset. They know something's going on. They know there's something bad happening at home. Why? Because they're in the trenches with them. And if Kelly and I could be in the trenches with everybody here at Liberty Church, we would do it, but we can't. But we have this awesome thing called small groups. You know what a small group is? It's an opportunity to get in a trench with people that'll know your name, know your kids, and know your struggles. And they'll fight with you. And that's good. That's so good. I heard a gentleman years ago, he said, you know the only thing better than having a great pastor? He said, the only thing better than having a great pastor is having a great church. And let me tell you what, we got a great church. Arab Holly Pond, our online campus, we've got a great church. And Kelly and I want to be good pastors, but I'm just telling you, we, we want to be good pastors, but we got a great church. And you're robbing yourself if you're not connected relationally to the other people in our church. Because I'm just telling you, we got some awesome folks here. You guys are amazing. And we need each other. Amen. So not only do we need to connect spiritually and relationally, we need to be connected physically. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And we need to be connected financially. I want to give you one scripture and one thought, and then I'm going to move on because I'm out of time. Here we go. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, Jesus said, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Holy Spirit quickened this thought. Again, football analogies today, right? He said, Keith, most Christians view the church like a football stadium. It's where you go once a week to watch the game. But when you're on the team, listen to this, when you're on the team, you don't buy a ticket. When you're on the team, you invest in the franchise. Sunday morning when we come to church and we take our tithes and our offerings, how many know you're not buying a ticket? I hope you're not buying a ticket. I hope you're not tipping God. I hope you're investing in Team Jesus. Hey, we're a part of a franchise. It's called the kingdom of God. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. We are literally shaping eternity in the hearts and lives of people. And they're honking the horns in the parking lot. (laughs) Preach it, Pastor Keith. Preach it. I ain't heard that since we had drive-in church. Come on, somebody. So I want to challenge you to think about your finances. Because if you're struggling to honor God in your finances and you're just buying a ticket instead of investing in a franchise, then you're living short of the glory of God. Now, I want to do something this morning. The Holy Spirit quickened this in my heart yesterday, and I, I text Zach and Katie. Katie, why don't you go ahead and stand up over there? 
Katie, just this year, uh, completed a course to become a Dave Ramsey financial coach. Come on. You can stay standing for just a second. So let me encourage you. I really thought the Holy Spirit said this. He said, number one, he said, I want you to honor Katie. He said, number two, I want you to let the church know if you're struggling to honor God with your finances, if you can't tithe and give, there's two things that are required for you to prosper financially. Two things. Number one is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The reason it need, you need faith to prosper is because faith connects you to the supernatural. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, the Bible says. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You've got to come to him by faith, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. When you, when, for you to prosper financially, you have to live by faith. Why? Because if you give God what's left, that doesn't require faith. If you give God what's first, that requires faith, and that opens the supernatural provision of God over your life. So you got to have faith. The second thing you got to have is money management. Because if you have faith and you don't manage your money, then you'll squander the blessing of God and you'll ever, never even know he blessed you. Miss Katie can help you with part two. She can actually help you with part one. She'll encourage you to live by faith. So if you're struggling financially, I want to encourage you. Seek her out. Reach out to her. Let her take the gifts and the talents that God has given her and the passion she has in her heart and use it in your life to help you take that next level. Give her one more round of applause. Katie, we love you. Thank you so much. All right, the connection question. You guys have heard me ask this. I'm going to move right along. The connection question, this is what I love to ask people. What group are you in? What team are you on? Those two things are important. What group are you in? What team are you on? Because if you're not in a small group, you're not connected spiritually and relationally. And if you're not on a team, if you're not serving, using your gifts and your talents for the glory of God, then you're coming short. Guess what? You got a jersey, but you're not in the game. It's good to have the camaraderie in the locker room. But hey, we do all that camaraderie so we can actually get on the field and kick the devil's butt. Right? Praise God for the fellowship and relationship. I need it. But I'm going to fellowship and relate. We're going to practice and we're going to pray and we're going to worship and we're going to seek God so we can get in the game and make a difference. So what group are you in and what team are you on? Look at that next point. See, we have to use our gifts and our talents and work together. Ephesians 4, 16 says when every part does its own special work. Let me tell you what ministry is. It is W-O-R-K. It's work. It's work. It's not easy. It's not always fun. But it's the greatest thing you can give your life to. When you start making a difference, when you start using your gifts, your talents, to work together with the body of Christ... To push the ball down the field, so to speak. Man, your life really begins to matter and make a difference. You know you're in the game. Look at that last part of that first of that statement. You know you're in the game when other people are counting on you to show up. Let me ask you a question. If tomorrow morning you woke up and you decide I'm not going to work tomorrow, whatever reason, doesn't even matter why, you just decide, hey, I'm not going to work today. You know what I know about you? If you actually have a real job and you wake up tomorrow morning and you decide you're not going to go to work, you know what you'll have to do? You're going to have to call somebody. Even if you're the boss, because even if you're the boss, you probably got a customer that's waiting on you to come out and do something, so you're going to have to call somebody. 
Not only are you going to have to call somebody, but you're going you're to probably maybe have to reach out to some of your other teammates and say, hey, hey, can you cover this for me today because I'm not going to be there and this needs to be handled today while I'm gone. You might have to shoot out a couple emails. You might have to reschedule some appointments. But if you got up tomorrow morning and said, hey, I'm not going to go to work today, you couldn't just not show up. So if on Sunday morning you get out of bed and you think, I'm not going to church today, and if you don't have to call somebody, then you might need to ask yourself, am I really in the game? If nobody's counting on me to show up, am I even in the game? James and Christine lead our Celebrate Recovery. Tuesday night had our first services here. Come on, let's give a great big round of applause. When James works late on his job and he's running late, guess what he has to do? He has to call somebody. When Christine ain't going to be able to be there on that Tuesday night, guess what she has to do? She has to call somebody. When Katie and Zach are helping with the children's ministry and they're not going to be there, guess what they have to do? They have to call somebody. When Chastity's not going to be at that front door heading the ushers on Sunday morning, guess what she has to do? She has to call somebody. Why? Because they're in the game. Pastor Keith, that seems like a lot of pressure. It's not a lot of pressure. It's a privilege. It's an honor. It's a joy that, you know what? You matter. You matter. See, a fan doesn't have to call anybody if they're not going to go to the game. But if you're on the team, you better be dead or in the hospital if you don't show up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The starting quarterback doesn't call Nick Saban at the last minute and say, hey, I just don't think I'm going to make it today. Well, I hope you're dead. I'm coming to your funeral. Because if you're not, I'll probably kill you, right? That's probably what he would say. I don't know. I'm not Nick Saban. Praise the Lord. I want to read one last scripture to you, and I want to close with a final statement. Here it is. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you. That means you, by the way. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well. I look across this room and I look out there online. I don't even know who's joining us this morning, but this is what I know. Everybody has talent. Everybody has gifts. And everybody has abilities. And you need to use it well to serve one another. I want to tell you something. We've got a place on the team for you at Liberty Church. We need you, but more importantly, we want you to be a part of what God is doing. And we want to help you. This is the good news. We want to help you do what God has created you to do. We're not interested in fitting you in a box. We're interested in helping you come out of the box that the world's put you in find the place that God has for you. And then we're going to applaud you, and we're going to support you, and we're going to stand beside you, and we're going to blood, sweat, and tears along the way with you as we do what God's called us to do. Here's my final statement. You have value. Your life matters. You were created to make a difference. Let's get in the game. Let's bow our heads today. 
two things I do every Sunday I want to do again today. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're watching online. And you realize today, Pastor Keith, I'm still in the darkness. I'm still living in my sin and my rebellion against God. Jesus is really not the Lord of my life. And I realize that today. But I believe that He is Lord. And I want to surrender my life to His Lordship today. I want to make Him the Lord of all. I want to be born again. That's what Jesus called it in John chapter 3. So if that's you here today and you say, Pastor Keith, today I want to be saved. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to be born again. And I want to get in the game. If that's you, just raise your hand. All over this building and online, just hit that hand emoji. You can type in that little chat box, I'm raising my hand. But if that's you, just raise your hand high. I want to pray with you in just a moment. Hands going up right now. So just lift that hand high. Our ushers are going to come. They're going to slip a little packet in your hand. Just something we want to send home with you today. But this is your moment. This is your opportunity. Because today, Jesus died so he could be Lord. And he wants to be Lord because only in his Lordship can you experience all that he has for your life. He wants to give you all. Everything he died for, he wants to make available to you. The second thing I want to do before we pray is if you're here today and you're a Christian and you're, you're saved, you're a part of the church, but you're not really in the game, I want to encourage you. Take that next step. Just reach out. Reach out to us. we got a connection card on the app. You can call the office. You can personally talk with Pastor Keller and myself and say, hey, I want to get in the game. We would love to follow up with you. We'd love to help you. We'd love to take that next step with you. And let's get in the game. Let's change the scoreboard. Let's do something that really matters with our lives. So right now, I just want to close with just a final prayer. And if you raised your hand, this prayer is for you. Let's say it out loud, all of us together. If you raised your hand online, this is prayers for you. I want to ask everybody in the room to say it with me, specifically for those that lifted your hand. Let's say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day pay the penalty for my sins I confess that I'm a sinner and I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior I submit my life to your Lordship and I receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ in his name Lord we pray amen Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you today. Let me remind you, okay, if you have children in our children's ministry, go pick your kids up first. Uh, hopefully, we should have our lunch ready in the cafe. Uh, and you can grab your lunch. You can come back through and vote on our chilies, desserts, and cookies. It's $1 a vote to put your vote in there. And we're going to announce our winners at 1230, okay, 1230. Uh, we're going to have hayride, cornhole, inflatables out back for the kids, a lot of stuff. Hang out, enjoy yourself. Roll Tide, War Eagle, and go Team Jesus. Come on, guys. We love y'all.